That's not one set of Fraggle Rock. That's two, two sets. sets. The 30th anniversary one is not as good as the 25th anniversary one. I'm waiting for those Blu-rays. What does it all mean? Embrace the whole, the mystical side of it. It's too much uh, there. <laughs> too much darkness. You know, I can tell why this show needs to be edited. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Hildo Spills the Beans. Tonight, I have with me Jay Baker. Uh, So, Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Jay Baker. I run a church called Revolution, and uh, you can listen to our services at revolutionchurch.com. Been doing that for almost 20 years, well, over 20 years. Wow. Which is really weird. Yeah, I feel old. First in, was it first in New York or? No, it was first in Arizona. Okay. In uh, 1994, and it was just me and a bunch of guys my age, well, gals and guys. Yeah. And there was like four four of us, and we started, just started a church. Yeah. It was a lot different then, but, um, so I've been doing that for a long time. Also, I do a podcast as well. got a podcast called This Is Radiocast that's on on hiatus right now because I'm looking for a producer. So Yeah, but you've got a bunch of backlog episodes to check out. Yeah, yeah, people can listen to them. I mean, we probably have maybe 20 episodes. I think we should tell the story about how we met. Oh, that's... Because I think that's a good story. I, uh, I was, started my podcast, and I was looking for a lava lamp, and I, did I tweet it or Instagram it? I think you, I think you tweeted it because I was only following this as radio cast. Oh yeah, and I wasn't following your. And I said account. I need to. I need a. I said I'm in need of a lava lamp for the show. Yeah, which was which was crazy because I was cleaning out. All I'm. I, we've been trying to trim down our stuff. I know it doesn't really look like it in the <laughs> basement right now, but we have been. And I pulled out a lava lamp out of the closet, and I had it sitting on the shelf. I'm like, I got to get rid of that lava lamp. And then I saw your tweet Boom. that night, and I'm like, oh. It's perfect. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I for, yeah, I always forget that we met at the at Starbucks because you were giving me a lava yeah. lamp. <laughs> My wife thought you were a serial killer. <laughs> it turned out to be okay. I guess. Yeah. I guess you don't know yet. I right? mean, it's no, only been know. a few months. It could be when that's what's in that closet over there. <laughs> Surprise. That's why <laughs> the doors are closed. <laughs> I want to distract you with the pinball machine. Oh, nice. But that's not the first time you've met up with some random person that was like, I'll give you what... Didn't You told me some belt buckle story yeah, or something, I mean, right? I had a guy who was like, I have this Johnny Cash belt buckle. And I... Because I was like looking everywhere for this Johnny Cash belt buckle. So I thought I'd just drop it on, on one of my sermons, see if anybody knew where I could get one. And uh, this kid's like, I got one. He's like, if I can come spend the weekend with you, come visit you and spend the weekend with you, I'll give you the belt buckle. He's like, Sure. So he, and he like stayed at your place, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was younger and dumber then. <laughs> and I've still got that belt buckle. So you turned it back from a, a weekend to, yeah, I'll meet you at Starbucks for an hour and we can. <laughs> yeah. See, smart. <laughs> Should we jump right into it? For those of you who might be listening for the first time, when I have a guest on the show, I ask about 10, 12 questions, uh, starting Starting pretty simple, and then going down the line, getting a little bit more personal. <laughs> nothing, nothing too intrusive. My first question is always, "What you is your midnight snack?" Um, my midnight snack is. It really varies, actually, because um, I don't like to go grocery shopping much. 
Um, but usually it's cereal. It's some sort of cereal, you know. And if it's my cereal, it's some sort of like chocolate cereal or oh, yeah. honey Cheerios, honey nut Cheerios or life, cinnamon life cereal or this cocoa like jungle cereal that I've been buying. It's it's like... I was like a, our organic like, one? Yeah, it's not like a name brand and it's really amazing. Is that the one with the chocolate and the marshmallows? Yeah. Oh, yes. I know that it's one. It's like a... Cocoa Puffs with marshmallows. Yeah. And good marshmallows. I think I talked about this in the show once, but I made up a cereal called Smackety Pow. <laughs> Did it have It was Captain Crunch with the, with the marshmallows from Lucky Charms. Mm. But you had to hand pick out, you had to like put gloves on and like hand pick out all the marshmallows out of a box. I try not to go too crazy. Karen, my wife, sometimes gets thinks I'm, I eat too much cereal. Oh, I would eat cereal. cereal all the time if I was allowed. Allowed. <laughs> yep, that's what I said. Allowed. <laughs> it's, stay, it's staying. Yeah, it's, staying it's fine. All right, let's jump to the next one. Okay. What book or movie can you read or watch over and over again? The um, Outsiders. Both the movie and the book. Oh, I've never seen the movie. And, yeah, and, and uh, I've read... I don't read a whole lot of books twice, so I've read... I read uh, the biography of um, the Beach Boy. Um, oh, Brian. Brian. Brian Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. I read his autobiography twice because it was really good. But I've read The Outsiders a few times, and I've seen that movie a few times. Who wrote The Outsiders? S.E. Hinton, I think it's, oh, was okay. her name. What's the What's the premise? I'm getting it confused with... Uh... It's Does it have greasers do... and... Socias, so it's like preppy kids against like the kids on the wrong side of the tracks who are like greasers. Okay. And there's a, you know, they always fight and then there's an accidental murder and it's a really, really cool movie. All right, I'll have to watch it now. So would you suggest reading the book first or watching the movie? Well, they have the movie. Now they have the whole book edit because he'd originally filmed the whole book. Oh, okay. But it didn't test well so that, you know, they edited parts out. And then his kid was like, his granddaughter or something was like, why didn't you film the whole book? No way. So, I mean, I like to book, read the book first because I, you kind of under, you know, get a little bit onto their inner dialogue. But that, a lot of that inner dialogue plays in the movie. You know, you just hear them thinking, but. Oh, okay. You know, but I still got a better feel for it. Yeah, I typically like to read the books more than watch the movies. Well, I mean, I read episode one. The episode one novel. Like Star Wars episode yeah. one? Was it a novelization of the movie or was it an actual novel? It was a novelization of the movie, but a lot of stuff made more sense. I, I, My dad had only ever seen A New Hope. Okay. And so I bought the Blu-ray set of all the movies. I was like, oh, we got to watch them all. And we got we only watched Attack of the Clones like, we only watched right. up to Attack of the Clones, and then we just kind of got bogged down with that movie, and we never went back. I like the 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 third one. Okay. Which one is that? Uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I think I like that one. Out of the the oh. new ones, I like that one the best, I think. I don't, I don't loathe Jar Jar Binks as much as everybody else does. Well, they kind of got rid of him. They got rid of Jar Jar. Yeah, because he was only in the first one, right? Well, well he was a lot in the were... first one, and then people started not liking him. Yeah, and... I so... kind of feel bad for that guy that played him. Yeah, 
Yeah, Michael Jackson originally wanted to play him. Yeah, that would be nuts. Yeah. People probably would have liked Jar Jar a lot better. (laughs) When he was moonwalking. (laughs) (laughs) Me some moonwalking. Yeah. (laughs) Probably wouldn't have talked like that either. Did you ever see Captain EO? Yeah, I loved that ride. Yeah. So that was I just they That was kind of Star Wars. After he died, they brought it back at Disneyland for a little bit. Yeah, I remember seeing it as a kid. Yeah, uh, I do too. At at Epcot. I remember I had one of the stuffed animals of like the little thing that flies around. Oh, okay. And I had the shirt with the little rainbow. There was a bunch of famous people in it too. Like Angelica Houston was in it, wasn't she? She might have been. I'd have to, I don't know. I was a kid. I just remember Michael Jackson. And isn't it directed by like Francis Ford Coppola? Yeah, it's like something like that. And he danced in peace, made peace with his dancing. Turned everybody into good <laughs> by the did you power ever play of that, music. Did you ever play that game, Moonwalker? It was an arcade game. Oh, yeah. Michael Jackson, you had to save the kids. Yeah. Save the kids. Yeah, it was a... That's weird. It was twisted. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that slightly, but I like don't think... like all these kidnappers and then <laughs> Michael Jackson's pretty much the Pied Piper that with is, the kids. Oh, <laughs> that's so weird. Does and saves them. Oh, yeah. It was like Smooth Criminal kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. That era. Yeah, he wore that white suit with the hat yeah. and then, he pressed the special button and he would like do his moves and yep. save the kids. Like, <laughs> oh, so weird. It's too much uh. there. <laughs> too much darkness. Hindsight. <laughs> Poor MJ. Speaking of childhood, which long lost childhood object would you most like to find? Wow, that's a great question. That's going to take me a second to yeah, think about. Yeah, that's fine. Take your time. Um, you know, I think probably my like toy gun that I had, it was like it looked like like a toy forty five and it's back when when those things looked real. Uh-huh. And they, you know, they really all the toy guns were like amazingly Yeah, they looked like I mean, just regular guns. Yeah. yeah. And so not no orange tip or anything. Yeah, no mine had a, like a red thing in it, but you could just pop yeah, you it just out. Just pop it out. Yeah. And I had a shoulder hoster that I wore with it. Oh no way. Yeah, because I was like totally into Miami Vice. I had like that gun. So that how, toy gun how old back. were you? Uh, nine, ten, eleven. And I kept that. I mean, that was my my piece. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what was, yeah. was funny. Is like, you know, I'd go through a lot of different toy guns, but that one stayed consistent in my holster. I had like the sweet cap gun that you could flip out, and the and the chamber would flip out. Oh and yeah. You'd load the caps in. And they had those like the circle caps. Well, this one had caps that you could, long lines of plastic caps that you could put into the clip. Oh, you just feed it into the clip. Yep, and then oh, man. And it comes out the top. Pow, 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 pow. Can you even buy those cap guns anymore? No, they made them illegal. I don't know. Maybe you could buy them on eBay. There's no. It's so funny how like I became pretty nonviolent, but as a kid, I mean, I even had like a little holster for my ankle. I was so <laughs> into Miami Vice. I mean, I was so into that show. <laughs> oh man. It was like my life. I've never seen a lot. Of, I've, I've I've seen an episode before, I think, but I've never really watched it. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm not totally surprised, but I'm kind of surprised my parents let me watch it because, I mean, there was like it was all like cocaine and sex yeah. and drugs and yeah. you know, serious. But for the time, it was a very serious show. Yeah. You know, now you watch it and like. Like Karen will watch it and she laughs when she sees me watching it. Like she's like, "Oh, it's so <laughs> corny," but I'm like, "Man, this was edgy like, this stuff." This is for real, Karen. Yeah, it was cool. I'm surprised Don Johnson isn't more famous 
Yeah. Because I think he's like the coolest guy ever. Because you don't see him in a lot of stuff now. He's on some new TV show about oil. Really? Yeah. Just like Texas that. Tea? Is it like a yeah. Texas show? I mean, I guess so. Is that the only place we have oil in America? <laughs> <laughs> that it's in the it's in South Dakota. All right. Here's another chat. Well, this might not be a childhood one. When you think of your home, what immediately comes to mind? Um, my mother. That's probably the first thing that comes to my mind. Okay. We moved around a lot, and so I just never felt that I had a place to live. Like, I never, like, the first place that I felt was my home we lost, you know, because it was the churches, it was the parsonage. And that's, that's kind of when everything went down. Yeah, and all the scandal happened to my family, so yeah, that felt like my home. We ended up moving a few times. My dad was in prison, and, you know, I was with my mom for a while in high school and stuff. You know, but even when I would go visit her in North Carolina, it felt like home, or when she lived in Palm Springs, you, you just know. felt like you were coming home every time? Yeah, because she would like, oh, I got me this, your cereal that you like, and the chips yeah. that you like, and yeah. we would always go out for lunch, and... Sometimes go to the mall together, and, and then we'd come back, and she'd go into her room and watch old movies, and I'd be out in the living room watching, like, MTV or oh, something. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was like we were very we were very close, and just knowing each other, we're in the next room. Yeah, you had that comfort was nice. level. Yeah, and I mean, it, I mean, she said that to me a few times, you know, just knowing you're in that other room, and I said, me, that's how I feel, too. Okay, All moving right. right along. What is the strangest thing you have ever seen? It's a weird question. <laughs> we can skip it if you want. I'm just to. trying to think strange. Like, what is... Everything I once thought it. I saw a black shape walking on the water once <laughs> when I was, in, uh, I was in Florida, and it was at night, in a complete blackness of a human shape walking on the water. I'm not sure if I saw it or not. You know, oh, I don't know if man. it's like a false memory or not, but I remember being terrified and got out of there. What if it was just Jesus? <laughs> well, Jesus was like went negative space. It was like <laughs> so Jesus is a black hole. Back was, then I thought it, it was, was mega like, Jesus. Back then I thought it was the devil, you know, or some sort of demon on the water and uh yeah. You know, but now I don't really I don't I don't know how much I believe in like that kind of stuff appearing to us, so that would be freaky, though. Yeah. So I had a couple, had, you know. But when you have your brain full of that stuff. Yeah. You know. And I had been talking to my dad about stuff, and one of my friends had been going to, like, these seances and stuff. And so I was, like, trying to talk to them and be like, you can't go to these seances. Yeah. They're Zeus sayers, you know, and I was reading passages in the Bible. Sure. And so that was around that time. So I think my head was full of the most scary things I could come up with. He was moonwalking too. No, he wasn't. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) He saw my eyes just get huge. Yeah. It was Michael. He was trying to save the kids. It was before he died, but it was his (laughs) pre-ghost. Oh my gosh. If you could ask God a question, what would it be? What does it all mean? Oh. That's like asking a genie for extra wishes, I guess. (laughs) That's that's good. You know? That would probably be it. And or what are you? 
That would, might, that would be another one. But, but what does it all but mean? But then he just Maybe is like, explain. I am. Yeah. Like, God. Like, oh, God, come on. God and Jesus always answering weird. I always answered questions. You know, I don't know if God was actually answering questions, but I know Jesus always answered questions with questions, and that would have frustrated me. Yeah. I would have been like the frustrated disciple. I want to know. The disciple Jay said, just tell me, Jesus. <laughs> just shoot straight, man. <laughs> come on. Well, there's a couple times where he pulled the disciples aside and said, this is what I'm really talking yeah. about. Yeah. That would have been like, I would have been that guy who was like pulling them aside. That would have been like, all right, explain it to that. That's yeah. what you just said, because the, riddle, the riddles aren't aren't doing me any justice. That's what I want to know. How often did he really do that? And and it's just not recorded. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot that wasn't recorded and how the Bible's put together and the New Testament's put together, and especially the Gospels. You know, it's like, I know we have his, a lot of it is what he said, but, you know, how much of it was stuff that he was actually involved in and doing. So it's really... T- Hard to tell. The God question's a tough question because, you know, in order for you to be able to ask God a question, God has to be some sort of being of some sort. Mm-hmm. And that's also an interesting <laughs> thing. <laughs> it takes you down a whole, a whole different tangent. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, it's like answering you know, questions like that, really, because I'm trying to always think theologically is like well if i can talk to god does god have ears you know <laughs> am i talking to a giant ghost am i talking it's to the like being the, itself the wizard of oz head yeah you know and is there somebody behind a curtain <laughs> you know so you've taken this question and flipped it on its head yeah i was gonna say what is it when you ask what does it all mean what do you mean by it all. <laughs> it all. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, why is there life? And why is there death? And why is there all the stuff in the middle? Oh, man. Jessica had to explain death to Max oh. the, a couple of days ago because they had to stop for a funeral procession. procession. Oh, yeah. So they had a whole line of cars going by and the, all the flags and the hearse and stuff. And Max was kind of like, well, what's this? Yeah. And she's... And she said, well, they're going to the cemetery because... And he's like, what's a cemetery? Oh, geez. And she's like, well, that's where they bury people that die. And then and then I guess he just got, like, really quiet and just Aww. and just said, that's sad. Yeah. And, like, and then it kind of was like, well, are you going to die? And oh, no. Am I going to die? Oh, no. It's like, well, someday, I know. And as a kid, I was... We're I had like tolls. Yeah, I had this... Yeah, it was totally that. Like, yeah. oh, this is... This isn't forever. You know, and he's kind of experienced a little bit. We had a goldfish that died, and the neighbor's dog killed a squirrel, and I had to take care of the squirrel. <laughs> and like, So he saw a dead squirrel, but, it, yeah. but when it's animals, you know, and you don't think about people in your life. Yeah. It's, it's weird processing that as a little kid. And yeah, I mean, it's making sense out of it all. Yeah. And for me, I feel like sometimes studying too much theology sometimes makes me feel like I'm going insane because everybody had different questions, you know, and their questions got to a different idea or somewhat of a revelation, if you will, Mm -hmm. of what they thought God was or is, you know, because thing has, in order for their theology to line up, 
know, to have a systematic theology, there has to be a system. Right. And everyone gets itself in the corner. But so then you start like, you know, I mean, you just go down rabbit holes. You go, yeah. And you realize like these denominations were just picking part. Some of these denominations are just kind of like, especially evangelical denominations were just like, okay, we're going to just take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then the rest of what those things came from, we're going to save as evil, you know, but they don't realize that they were influenced by people. Like, you know, when I grew up, Assemblies of God, they're like, oh, Catholics are going to hell. Mm-hmm. But they're like, you know where we got the Bible? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you know, even Lutherans were like questionable. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm like, you know, we maybe. wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Luther. You know what I mean? It's like, it's really interesting to, yeah, the, the, this kind of ignorance that comes along with just accepting certain things and not realizing that we have glasses given to us a way to see and interpret that have been given to us by some long dead dude who, you know, other people, Mm -hmm. you know? So like that whole systematic theology thing where you like try to explain everything with this specific, like when you have a theology and you say, okay, this is my box. And when I read something, it's got to fit in this Mm -hmm. little, it's got to fit in within this box. And if it doesn't, I got to figure out a way to fit it in the box. Yeah, you're always going to get into a point where it doesn't fit. Yeah, like what you were saying, painting yourself into a corner. And I think at some point, you just have to embrace the whole, the mystical side of it, too. Well, and that's part of some people's theology is that they do embrace (laughs) it. Yeah, that's the issue. I guess that would be part of my theology. I mean, it's just continuously going and like, you know, Paul Tillich thought that there's no way to speak of God except in like, imagery you know like you just really you could never express you could never truly explain what god is or what god is you know you just had to use metaphors metaphors yeah metaphors was really the word yeah you know and you know because there is no way for us to speak about god we limit god so that's a scary one because then people are like well i want to talk about god and i know god you know yeah but at the same time his opinion of god is bigger than anything that i've ever noticed you know, and it's greater than anything, and it's like we're trying to conceive eternity, hmm. you know? Like, I can't, you know? Yeah. And it's like, so for me, it's like, well, there's something that's greater than myself, you know? there, You know, I'm trying to be finite, trying to understand infinite, and, you know, close as I can come to that, I think, is like the idea of love being passed on, a way I can understand infinite. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's weird, though, because you see all these people, too, also come from some sort of trauma that's been in their life. And you saying, well, I just want to trust the mysticism, you don't realize that it probably was some theologian who said we've got to embrace (laughs) the mystery to know it all that kind of, you know, trickled down to us. Right. You know? And, you know, like my dad's like, I just read the Bible for what it is, you know, but translations are so bad and there's things that we don't even think about translating correctly Mm -hmm. because we just accepted it. And because it's not really iffy, you know, and go, I'll just take that, you know, and then you find out that it actually means something completely different. Um, So it's always really, really. It's very challenging for me because I did what I was told. I was told to study the Bible and understand it and that there were no contradictions. And I realized there were contradictions, but I still want to study and I still try to understand it. And, 
it's really weird. It's just one of those things where... That's complicated. I mean, I just got it's, out of a theology class that I took all summer long, so that doesn't help. You know? <laughs> Your brain's all full of it. Yeah, and you can't yeah. pick, like, you couldn't pick, like, oh, I'll take this of that theologian and that of that theologian, because what you start to realize is that they all just crash right into each other. Huh. You know? Yeah. But you can't also just say, like, I'm just going to follow this one theologian. I mean, you can. A lot of people will be like, oh, I'm Calvinist, or I'm, right. you know... Talikian or Paulinian or, you know, whatever. Um, or you can come up with your own thing. It is kind of strange that we, you know, we try to figure out God. And I think the best way to, exp- you know, like you said, you like the mystery. And for me, that's, you can't explain it. I mean, it's the same thing. It's staying right. a mystery. Right. You know, so. Yeah. And, you know, because I also my, one of my best friends is a philosopher, you know, and I'll say, well, well, I think God's this. And then he will have an answer for like, well, then this limits God to this and this and this. Oh, wow. You know, and, and ask <laughs> stupid like, questions oh, like, can God create a, a burrito <laughs> hotter than God can eat? You know, that kind of question. Because <laughs> if God can do whatever. <laughs> it's so hot. Yeah. So <laughs> a burrito bigger than God can eat. <laughs> You know, at Chipotle, the burrito twice, <laughs> twice you know, the size. So, ugh. yeah, I just, I just, um, I was just listening to the sermon and it was talking about the, the, the whole believing that the world was created in a literal seven days. Yeah. And they played, they played some audio from something and they were talking and the guy's like, well, the sun and the moon were created on the fourth day and that's how we judge 24 hours. And so he was like, is it, and the guy's like, yeah, well, God could still go by 24 hours before that, even though the sun oh and the moon were created. And then, and then he said, well, is it possible that it could be 24 and a half hours? <laughs> and the guy was like, well, yeah, I guess that's possible because the sun and the moon weren't created yet. And he's like, well, <laughs> could it be? 26 hours? <laughs> you know? And he kind of like kept stretching it out. And the guy's like, yeah. I guess. And then it got like really a, ridiculous. Really ridiculous. And he was like, well, no, that's not possible. And it's like, well. Where do you draw the line? Yeah. Where do you draw the line? Like, yeah. So there's, you know, all sorts of things that, that I think we don't realize and we take for granted and that we just get used to in our, in our American church, you know, Anglo Saxon. Yeah. American and I, and I love system. reading the Bible and reading and, reading that stuff and going, oh, okay, what was going on in the time? And then you read about what was going on in the time and the whole passage makes, is totally different. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, a lot more radical. Yeah. And, know. and really progressive. Yeah. To but the st- culture of the time. But still they're not getting, saying, get rid of your slaves. Yeah. And you go like, well, why isn't say that? Right. You know, so were they limited to their time and understanding of their time? I mean, you know, you just, yeah. for me, every answer creates another question yeah i know i mean i know i've told you this before but like the whole nonviolence thing in the old testament and like i talk about max my son how he's like kind of yeah like he's an aggressive kid sometimes because he just doesn't know what to do with his emotion it's like goes to like this almost primal like ah throwing stuff or like right hitting once in a while and it's like we call it his Old Testament face. <laughs> he's, well, and I said, yeah. he's just not ready. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I think, what happened there. And they expressed it to be, they thought it was God. Yeah. You know, 
and you know, but maybe it was just an earthquake or maybe it was just, you know, they were violent people and they wanted to justify their violence towards other people and taking slaves, you know? I mean, because if Jesus is the image of God, then, you know, either God's a giant hypocrite, you know, who's just a taskmaster who tells us to do all this stuff that God would never do, mm-hmm. or we got God wrong. Yeah. And Jesus had to come and say, hey, look, this is actually my nature. Yeah. So I've always been Which more, com- happen- I mean- more comfortable with that than the <laughs> idea of Jesus having to be killed for, you know, a human sacrifice. Because sure. none of us would want to accept human sacrifices, but we're based on a religion that's based on a human sacrifice. Yeah. So, but it's probably the best understanding of their time because of the sacrificial system that they lived through. And the Messiah was not supposed to die. The Messiah was supposed to rule and mm. take Israel back from Rome. And all of a sudden Jesus dies and they're going like, how do we explain this? And you, you know, and you see the disciples <laughs> like, walking. What, what just happened? Yeah, I mean, if you read it, like the disciples are even sitting down, you know, and they're all going back to their jobs and being like, you know, they're even talking to Jesus at one point and don't realize it and like, yeah. Well, there was this guy, and we thought he was the Messiah. And yeah, and then he's got really hopey, but he got killed. And he's like, you know, I mean, you fools, don't you realize that the, he had to suffer? You know, and and they're still yeah. not getting it. You know. Yeah. So, hmm. that's interesting. And there's definitely been points in my life where where I read or I learn something, and I'm like, oh, I had God wrong. Yeah. Like I, I really don't think God is that way. Yeah, it's weird, but. I mean, I just, I don't, I, I'm more comfortable now in the not knowing and trying to be a good human being and live a life of grace to those who don't feel that they can live a life as a good human being. You know what I mean? Or just don't, or maybe their information of what a good human being is is different than mine. Yeah. And learn how to give grace to them. Um and that's tough. To me, that's the you know that's the whole thing. If you try to love oh, it's super your enemy hard. and love your neighbor, those are the tough things for me. It's and definitely not comfortable. Yeah, so I don't know. That's, for me, what gets me. The whole loving your enemy thing and your neighbor as yourself, you know, is as equally as important as loving God. You know, that, to me, is kind of mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. And so... That's what always keeps me there, you know. I don't know. It's That's really good. Hard because I see a lot of my friends who lose their faith and have very logical reasons behind it, you know. And they take logic, and it's going like, okay, is a loving guy going to hold someone away from being logical? Because I, you know, like I can't believe it because it's just not provable, right? You know, we have to have faith, but I don't, you know, how? You know, some people just can't. You know, and then, you know, then you get the Calvinist saying, well, those are just the unelect, yeah. you know, which uh, I think if you think you're you're in part of a group of people that have chosen by God, it gets a little freaky. Uh, yeah. You know, we're God's oh, chosen so few, you know, it's like, how far away are we from being a cult, like in a, you know, oh. if there was 10 of us, we'd be a cult. Yeah. I, uh, I once overheard this guy talking on the phone to his brother about God. And he was, he was, the guy who was talking on the phone was a hardcore Calvinist. So, like, for people who don't know, I mean, we're, we're going to really 
briefly, but Calvinism basically says God predestined people to be Christians, and so there's well, be, like in the fold, basically. And people predestined to burn. Yeah, and predestined to go to hell. So there's people that are predestined to go to heaven and predestined to go to hell. So basically, God picked and chose who was going to do what. <laughs> and I am sure there's Calvinists that might listen to this. And, well, and there's Bible and verses totally... to back that up, but there's also Bible yeah. verses to back up Arminianism. Right. I'm an Armin- is it Arminian? I always get it yeah. wrong. Which is the other? Which is the other one where you're saying free it's will? Free will. You have the choice to choose whether or not you follow God. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, this guy that I was that I overheard on the phone, his brother was really just trying to decide if God existed and if and his brother flat out like the guy on the phone flat out said, "Well, maybe you're just not selected." And he's like, "I know I am, but maybe you're oh not." I'm gosh. like, "Ugh." Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean that, the, that theology doesn't. <laughs> that's. Yeah, that drove me nuts. I just don't think that theology lasts very much. There's no good news. I mean, what's the good news for the intellect? Yeah, there's nothing. You know? So, I don't believe in hell, so that stuff doesn't get to me, but I also don't believe in it for particular reasons, so of yeah. studying. It wasn't just like, oh, I think this is a soft, fun idea. <laughs> like, I'm not going to believe in hell anymore. You no, know? it was like... I that's just, gross. I don't want to believe you know, it. Yeah. If God is a neo-Calvinist, then we're all in big, big trouble, you know? Uh, yeah, no. So there you go. I don't know how we got into that, but there it goes. I like it. Oh, it was like, if you could ask God a question, oh, what yeah. would it be? I would say, what, the God if, question? what if God was one of us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to end it. Show's over. <laughs> Click. It's done. All right, last question. Uh, what is the best advice you have ever received? I don't know. I don't know if there's ever been the best advice I've ever received. Because I feel like I'm in a world where people just give you advice constantly. So it's like, and you're just constantly. Well, especially to, for you, you get a little bombarded on Facebook and Twitter. You're, you're and like weighing and measuring everything. I guess learning to be accepting myself like my mom always just said you know i gotta be me and i remember people saying that's not a godly statement because you're supposed to die to yourself but i think you know i have to be me there is a part of me that i just i can't be anybody else my whole life has, and my whole all my worry is struggling to be comfortable with who i am and what i believe and i just uh, i can't grasp it i think it would be great if i could be me be comfortable with who you are. I'd say that's great advice that I have never learned to accept. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I mean, I'm just trying to think if there was anything that was just like really amazing advice that someone told me and I was just like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I guess someone, my buddy, uh, Donnie Earl Polk, you know, telling me to read Galatians, you know, and, and uh, that was good advice. <laughs> book changed my life. He told me about grace, and I said, "You're full of shit." You know, you're just trying to make yourself feel better. And uh, huh? And then I read that book, and my mind was boggled. That was good advice. Um, uh, think through a drink, but think before you drink. You know, think on the other side of a drink. I've been sober for almost 19 years. Yeah. Somebody asked me today because I usually like make drinks for people yeah. when they come, and. uh 
And they were like, oh, are you going to are you gonna make him a drink? I'm like, uh, no, I don't think that'd be a good idea. <laughs> I mean, I just think that's <laughs> helped me a lot. He's got a good streak going. I don't want to ruin that. Is thinking through it, you know, on the other side of it. Yeah. Even when life goes straight to hell and things are really yeah. bad. And I go, okay, what would, what looks, what does the other side of this look like? What are the decision process that I'm going to make if mm-hmm. I start with this one decision? And there's not one. Do you, have you had anybody be just like, Tell tell you like the best advice was wear sensible shoes or something you know. Um, for me, I've never I've never told this on the podcast, but I don't even know who said it. It has stuck with me for years and years and years, and it's probably cheesy, but like for me, it 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 helps. What and would it's, Jesus do? No, <laughs> it's close, but it's it was uh, integrity is what you do when no one is watching. Yeah, that's great. And that that really stuck with me because there's times when when I know for a fact like I could do something and no one would ever know. Yeah. But it would be stuck with me and <laughs> I would know. And it's kept me like in that phrase pops in my mind like it's funny cuz there's been moments in my life where I've done the right thing and a few people knew about it and I totally forgot about it. And I recently had somebody tell me about one of the things I did in a moment. And it was like, I can't believe I was actually a good person then. Yeah. Because I'm also able to beat myself up. Yeah. And then go back and be like, even though that was torturous at the moment, it somehow did it. You know? Yeah. So I think when you realize the, the back end of that, you know, when you follow that advice, even if it is when there are people around because I was around a lot of people who wouldn't have cared either way, but you kind of go like, Oh, you know, like I was making the right decisions. I was actually taking the higher road and I didn't at the time. I don't even know. Like I think about it and be like, how did I do that? Mm -hmm. You know, because I remember like there was just certain times where I was just like in dire need of the opposite. But my personality is that way too, where I remember the bad things that I, and I and I forget about the good stuff that was around that. Yeah, it was really nice to have someone kind of come into my yeah, but life and remind me of some of those things. I was going like, it's encouraging. Yeah, it, it really did. I mean, because sometimes I just feel like, you know, you feel like you're a fake or a scam or, you know, but you know, like, why do people want to listen to me? Why do people want to support my ministry and what I do? You know, and then somebody comes back and you see that something good came out of it. But I'm horrible at self-promotion too, yeah. though, you know, like personal self-promotion in a way. You know, I mean, I, I'm on Facebook and Twitter mostly because I have to talk about Yeah, you got to promote the stuff. stuff. Yeah. That you're you doing. Because I love what I do and I want, you know, people are like, you just wrote a book so you could sell books. Like, oh, yeah, I wrote a book because I want people to read it. And unfortunately, I can't just make free copies of books. I can't convince a book company to let me just make books for me that I can give away. And still pay me. Yeah, you know, know, and uh, and them not make any money, and we won't make any money. We'll just, you know, rainbows and sugar, you know. So, I mean, there's just a way that the life works in... And you have, I kind of have to accept that, you know, and realize uh-huh. that people are going to be like, oh, you're a preacher and you're supposed to do A, B, or C. You know, I'm like, yeah, but I've also got to eat and I've also got a family and I've also got this. 
you know? And this yeah. is what I do. I mean, I recently had someone said, well, can't you just get another job? And I was like, well, yeah, I could <laughs> probably, you know, but yeah. that's not where I feel like my strengths are. You and know, my strengths are thinking and reading and, 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 and trying to spend time understanding these things and working these things out so I can take an hour a week, two hours a week to talk about it. You know, yeah. that's what I do with my life is I think about these things. I mean, yeah, I'm sure I could, th- if I had to, I could think about them at the Gap or the coffee shop or wherever I would have a job. Yeah, it's definitely not as easy to do that. But, you know, for me, it's like I've worked really hard to get to a place where I'm at. And uh, it's just so cheap and easy for people to, to to pull the rug out from under your feet or try to belittle what you do. Yeah. You I- know. When you go like, yeah. Oh, yeah, but you weren't there like 20 years ago when I, you know, was, you know, doing, you know, paying for all the flyers to be made and, you know, putting all my own money into it, you know, yeah, and working at Little, not Little, yeah, it was Little Caesars, you know, or working at The Gap, which I did, you know, you know, and just trying to make everything work, you know, and then yeah. you get to a point where, you know. I worked really hard to get to a certain point and then you make a statement of something you believe and a lot of people don't agree with it and you're back at square one again, you know? And so it's like one of those things where you're just trying to be like, I'm going to continue to do what I love and I've had to make a decision and there's sacrifices that come with that. And there's just sacrifices that come with that. There's sacrifices of wearing, where's your next paycheck going to come from? You know, what are people going to think? And that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. but I had just had to make a decision at one point, like this is what I want to do. And I remember when me and Karen were dating and, you know, we could see things that were going towards marriage. I said, listen, this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And, you know, you've kind of got to understand that I'm yeah. not, I'm not your normal nine to five guy, you know, and she's a loves her job and she's nine to five and she went to, yeah amazing colleges and, and, and Ivy league schools. And she's worked her butt off to be where she's at. And I'm like, you know, and I'm basically following what some people think is an imagined person in the sky, you know, <laughs> and talking about it, you know, and communicating and, that. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's, it, you know, and sometimes I have a hard time believing it, but it's what I just, you know, you know, comes a time well, where you like, just have to make a choice. Yeah, it's like what you said earlier. You're a communicator, and you always will be a communicator. And I feel and guilty about it. That. I don't shouldn't feel guilty about it. No but way, I do man. Feel guilty about it. So no, you you're know, doing what you're supposed to be doing. So, and I don't think there'll be any. You know, there's not going to be any giant book deals ahead of me right now. Last one didn't do that well, but man, I'm glad I wrote it, and I'm glad it's out there, and I'm glad that someone might pick it up for a dollar somewhere or whatever, you know, or yeah. free book. And read it and be able to maybe not have to go through some of the things I did. Yeah, be changed in some way. Yeah, you know, and and be, you know, helped and encouraged. And so, or challenged, you know. So, those are the things I just, who knows? It's just weird to watch. It's weird to watch, you know, having all, when I started, you know, and being in the church and I knew what ch- church was and I knew what God was and I knew what theology, I thought I had no idea what, I had no theology, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. But it was so, I was so certain. I was so 
I mean, it wasn't even faith. It was like certainty, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was such a much comfortable, it was such more, it was so, it was just comfortable. It was a great place to be. And, and then the other ways I thought, you know, God was a monster though too. So it wasn't comfortable. And, but you, uh, yeah, I, as I, you I, learn I more, you can push that aside and... and it gets bigger and it gets more vague and uh-huh. it gets stranger, you know, you're going like, okay, now what am I doing? You know, now I'm not working with teenagers and helping them, you know, out with their like lives or meeting with their teachers or going to court with them or things like that, which I did a lot in Atlanta, you know, and then I would just, you know, being there for people in, in, in New York and, you know, and it just, as your thoughts go out there, you sometimes go like, okay, I've got to retreat and kind of get these ideas back together, but I can't stop working because I love it. So I'm going to share these ideas as they come and let people know that these are things that I'm working through, um, but hopefully come out at another end with another, I don't know, certainty. I don't want I feel like we're addicted to certainty in so many ways. And my Pete wrote a book about that. And so I think hmm. doubt is a powerful thing. And I think it's totally part of faith. And, uh, but learning how to live on that and come in, come out on the other end with that, out that complete certainty and still realize, you know, still try to grasp the concept. Okay. Well, why, why am I drawn to this, to Jesus? And what is still, what's the good news now? You know, now that I believe A, B, and C before it was like, Jesus was saving me from like this fiery pit, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, but salvation doesn't even mean salvation in the Bible. It literally means healing. Hmm. So it's funny that we just, but it, we see it as it's like, oh, you're saved from the flame. So when I lost hell, I was like, what am I going to do now? You know? <laughs> and uh, then as you lose other things in your the- my theology and gain other ideas, it's like, what am I going to do now? And it's a fearful, scary thing. So I think I think being honest about it is really good. I feel like it's the because... only thing I can do. Yeah, and I and you're. I think you are in a unique position as a pastor, because there are a lot of pastors that are getting paid by this, by a denomination. Yeah, and they have to sign these things that say, "This is I believe, <laughs> I believe all these things." So let's say they learn something new that that gets them out of that what they believe. Yeah, they can't say that because they'll get fired, and yeah. this is where their paycheck is coming from. Well, I got fired. Yeah, but just not by a denomination. I just got <laughs> fired by supporters when I came out as gay affirming originally. Yeah, and I had to let the whole staff go. I mean, but there is a freedom in that, I guess. Um, I guess it's harder for my like for other people to understand. Like to me, I knew what was going to happen, and it just didn't matter. Yeah, for some reason, I was like, "This is the right thing. It doesn't matter." I mean, now. It hurt because I knew it was going to happen, but I still kind of hoped part of me that I was going to have certain friends and certain people be like, oh, no, we're still going to have you. We believe in you. And, you know, I just it just went crumble, crumble, crumble. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I challenged people. I had a friend who just got ordained in a big denomination recently, and I said, man, if this denomination isn't affirming in two years, you know, you got to figure out something else to do with your life. Yeah. I'm like, because you can't be in this and, 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 you know, and I just can't be silent about stuff. And is it fair for me to put that in someone's life? I think it is. Cause I think yeah. I, I, I went through it. 
and uh and it's not and it's not good to put you in a position where you have to lie about it yeah no and for and that's the problem with i don't know how i got into this again but that's the problem with denominations is that you know they say you have to this has to be with god and if this isn't god to you then you have to move on and go somewhere else and you know the the last denomination that i was working with it was at a point where if you were going to be licensed through that denomination, you had to sign something that said you were pre-trib <laughs> for the, like, for That's amazing. Jesus coming back for the rapture, pre-tribulation, <laughs> mid-trib, or post-trib, yeah. and you had to sign a thing saying that you were pre-trib. And I was like, well, I don't think I could be licensed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, it's like... <laughs> It's like, do well, you have to be in the believe in a rapture to believe in pre-trib, post-trib, and you know what I mean? That's a whole other thing. So, anyway, I guess I would have asked you what your biggest advice was. So, as a father, yeah, what is your advice as someone who's never had kids? <laughs> obviously, what is your what's a good piece of advice to give me? Oof. Um, you're not making it better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say two. Run. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say two. I know we've talked about this before on the show, but I feel like with baby number two, it's my mindset has changed a little bit. One is you have to be you have to forgive yourself for the the crap that happens. Right. Because you lose your patience and you get upset and you get irritated because you're really tired and you say things that you feel bad about saying late. Like, there's just nights where I go to bed and I'm like, ah, I could have handled so many situations differently today. And you just have to go to bed and wake up the next morning and be like, I can do better yeah. than what I did today. And I mean, obviously there's if if you're really striving to be like a really good dad, <laughs> you yeah, know, well. because there's there's really there's really crappy dads that are doing really <laughs> awful things to their children and they can't just be like, Well, I'll just I'm gonna forgive myself for that. I just one. won't punch him tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but the like No, I get you. Yeah, there's stuff where like like last night, Max was I kept we kept him up too late. And he was just really being naughty and like, <laughs> and I, and I was like, you are a naughty boy. <laughs> and like, I felt really bad afterwards because yeah. he's not a naughty boy. He was being naughty at the time. Yeah. But like, he was going to bed and I'm like, you know what? You're not a naughty boy. And I like it. You're just a naughty boy saved by grace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get like misty eyed here. But, but I was like, you're kind and you're loving and you were just having this moment where you were not being that way. Yeah. And that's, but that's not who you are. Right. Oh and my I, gosh. My wife is in love with Max, by the way. <laughs> she, he's in love with you guys. He she's loves like, going to your house. Like, you know, I get so surprised over the cats. Experiencing a cat that actually enjoys him, that right. blew his mind. <laughs> I know. It was crazy. He was just like, the cat, just let me pet him. Isn't it amazing that like, I can kind of go back in times in my own life as a little kid, though. It's like when you kind of see, remember those moments of just yeah. wonder, Yeah, you know? And Jess and I were talking about the thing that we really appreciated about you guys is that you 
you actually listen to Max like he's a person. Well, yeah. And you take him and you and you're like, you really listen to what he's saying. You respond, and there's there's people who are just like, oh, you're just a three year old. Like, yeah, just go play with your toys. Well, that's a little person. Yeah. So yeah, for me, that's pretty amazing. You want to listen to the little person. Yeah. And I want to, you know, my parents were workaholics, and I don't want to be that. I don't want to be not. I don't want to be absent. And that that was my that was my second one that I was going to say is being present. Be present. Like that's with your children. Like I we were just and I were talking about being on our phones a lot, and like Max having to interrupt me because I'm reading (laughs) stuff on my phone, and. It's yeah. it has to be to the point where I just like set it down and don't even look at it until he goes to bed. Or that's really good advice. It's I mean, hard. I feel like that like when me and Karen go out like on a date night and we're both looking at our phones. Yeah, that's a that's super hard. It's like who do you want to? And it, and you know in your mind, your child is way more important than whatever you're doing on your phone. Yeah, but it's just like this habit. I know. I forgot my I left my phone at, in that class that I was taking. And they locked it up, and I had to do 24 hours. Oh. And, and it was just so weird. Like, I was like, there's a part of you that's like, this is good, and it's so freeing. And there's another part of you like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that happens to me sometimes. I'll forget it, like, at home. And I go to my desk. And like, I mean, who would have thought that the, I mean, because, I mean, I, I remember not having a cell phone. I mean, who would have thought these things would become such major monsters in our lives yeah i mean they've done a lot of good things and brought awareness awareness to a lot of good things but it's also brought up made us probably i mean i wonder if like humanity will evolve in a different way because of the cell phone oh i'm sure i think we already have so be present yes and forgive yourself yes i will do that (laughs) there you go it's good man you're gonna be a good dad i i hope so so I'm going to do my best. Thank you for coming. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah, I enjoyed good conversation. it. I can't wait to hear what comes out of this. Thanks again for listening, everybody. If you want to listen to this episode and more, you can go to the website. It's hil.do. Also on iTunes, if you like what you hear, leave a review and say, this is great, or whatever else you want to say. And listen to Jay's podcast. This is this is Radiocast with Jay Baker. Yeah. Started episode number one with Henry Rollins. Go from there. Yeah, enjoy. Well, thanks. Thank you. Good night. It was before he died, but it was his (laughs) pre-ghost. Me some moonwalking. My (laughs) wife thought you were a serial killer. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.